Hey, hey, you're listening to the Produce Like a Boss podcast, where we are arming you with the tools that you need to become a six-figure producer. So if you're brand new here and you don't know me, hey, I'm Chris Bradley. I have built a six-figure production company from my home studio, recording and producing through multiple revenue streams, including sync licensing, beat licensing, custom songwriting, session work, and more. All right, so today we're going to jump right back in. This is part two of a four-part series called The Six-Figure Producer Blueprint. And hey, if you didn't get a chance to check out part one of this series, you are missing out. Stop what you're doing right now. Go back to part one, listen to that, and then come back to this. All right, let's do this. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We're continuing on with this brand new podcast series. My name is Patrick Clark. I am the brand manager for Produce Like a Boss. I'm joined here by the one and only Chris Bradley. Hey, hey. And we are running everyone through uh, a bit of an interview style. I'm a, a customer of Producer like a Boss. I've been a student of this game for a couple of years, and I had a lot of burning questions to ask Chris Bradley. So we thought, why don't we jump on here and start talking through a lot of the things that I know everyone out there is wondering, because I'm wondering them myself. So we've had a lot of fun doing it so far. And I'm really excited again for this episode because, again, these are all things that I struggle with the most. So I was like, I'm just going to get it right from the top of what I should do. And I know because I'm in the community that a lot of people struggle with this idea too. And that is, what is my value? And Mm -hmm. in the last podcast, we talked so much about the spectrum of producers and that there's a lot, there's a big difference between being a Grammy winning producer and never being a producer. And there's a whole things, a spectrum in between of how you can be working. However, once you start working, if you're not making Grammy winning hits, it's harder to know what your worth is in the marketplace. So that's what I would love to chat with you and get your perspective on today. And I know that you and I have had conversations about this. I've heard you chat with other people about it. So we're talking to people now. You've just started producing music. You're getting into it. Now, there are opportunities to maybe be doing vocal top lines, to be maybe writing some custom songs, things that are more limited in the production spectrum, but still have a ton of value in the market. But now when people ask you what you're going to charge for that, that can get really difficult. So I wanted to get the first question then for you around the psychology of charging for services, especially if you feel that your skills might be limited. And how would you sort of give some advice to people struggling with what they're worth as a producer, you know, maybe the beginner intermediate skill level, but certainly serviceable enough to be finding work? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny because it's kind of like there's not a black and white answer to that because I think it's a combination mm-hmm. of a few things. Obviously, there's the getting over the imposter syndrome, right? And I think the mindset issue around it is, you know, am I worth this? Am I worth to charge for this? And then there's this other like almost guilty part of that where people go, but I just love to do this so much. I, I actually feel guilty charging for it. So right. it's being able to to look at that, to take a look at that and and say like, look, what I'm doing is providing value for somebody else. It's providing transformation potentially for their project. If you do like, you know, a custom song for somebody, whether it's a gift or for a special occasion, that literally, it's just because it's not a Grammy winning song. Like you, you can't even begin to imagine like what that means to somebody. What that means is not only the gift giver who's giving that custom song that doesn't have the gift of songwriting like you do, which you take it for, you take advantage of and (laughs) you take for granted, right? right? Because you're like, well, that's what I just do. But for somebody that's not musical to be able to give that gift to someone and say, I'm going to give you my story. Can you make this musical so I can gift it to my girlfriend or to my daughter or whatever that is. There's huge value in that, right? So being able to release like the mindset of like, I shouldn't even get paid for this. 
Right. And, you know, what you just said there is so true, and I feel very seen right now. <laughs> <laughs> Taking for granted things that are naturally um, come easily to you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're, they've been a singer for 20 years, but they've been recording vocals for three months, it's easy to think that there's no value in that because it's something you haven't put a ton of time into recording yourself. But it's the 20 years of your ability to sing that people are charging for. And it takes much less time to maybe get a clean vocal take that you're then providing to the marketplace. So I think that is well, I just sing now. So that's not impressive to me. Right. You know right. what I mean? That's well, a don't huge even, block. Don't even get me started on this whole like charging. This is why I do not do charging for hourly. Right? right. I don't do hourly rates because like in the end of the day, like somebody is paying you for a result and mm-hmm. I don't want to be paid for my time. I want right. to be paid for a result that I can deliver. And as my skill level increases, it takes me less time to accomplish things. So why should I be punished for that? The better that right. I get, right? So as a singer, you might even think like, I remember there have been times, I'll just give you a prime example. I used mm-hmm. to be pretty insecure when I first started doing this professionally and I was not charging enough probably. Mm-hmm. And then I would do like a scratch vocal and then I would check in with the scratch vocal and they would say, we love the scratch vocal, keep going. Guess what I would do? Okay, now I'm going to do the pro vocal and I right. go in and recut it. And then I swear to God, like, at least eight times out of 10, they'd go, but we like the scratch vocal better, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And don't think that, yes. and this goes back to what we were talking about in that last episode, that the value of something is equated with how much work like was put into it in that moment. Because you, if you're a great vocalist and you can knock it out in an hour, it's not like, oh, I only spent an hour. I didn't put enough work into this. No, it took you years yes. to become the kind of vocalist that could track it in an hour, Right. So yes. if that ever, by the way, becomes an issue where someone's like, well, you know, I only, I paid you this and it only took you an hour. It's like, no, you paid me for the 20 years it took me to be the person that could do that in an hour. Yes. And I think even as inter- intermediate beginning producers that are just starting out, but have the skill set, because that's really the biggest thing, right? A lot of people are musicians before they become producers. So they have a ton of years of, of skills. Mm-hmm. A big thing that we talk about in the halls of P-Lab is, you know, Ask yourself, like, what would be the value you'd put on this to want to do it? Not like what you think you should do it for. And maybe there needs to be a middle ground there. But starting with what you want to anchor your price at, maybe what the marketplace does, Mm -hmm. finds usually a middle ground that, like you talk about, um, it allows you to provide the value that you want to. You know, if you're undercharging, you're not able to actually fulfill in a way that, that you you know, you'd like to be presented as. Absolutely. And and this really boils down to, you know, when we talk about skill stacking, like having to be good at selling yourself, having to develop the skill of marketing and sales to a degree that it goes hand in hand with your business as a musician, right? So for mm-hmm. example, when somebody hires me to produce a track and, you know, let's say that I'm charging them $3,000 for that track and they might say, well, so-and-so, you know, charges this or so-and-so charges 3000, but they have a Grammy and I'll say, okay, well, I don't know what they're providing, but here's what my deliverables are. And here's Mm -hmm. what my offer is because I'm not just going to produce your song. I'm also going to boom. And then we go into something called an offer stack where I let them know what I'm going to do as part of my offer, which isn't just delivering that track, but it's maybe I'm going to give them stems. Maybe I'm going to give them alt mixes. Um, Maybe I'm going to, you know, there's so many different ways that you can, you can break that down. Maybe I'm going to help them with their release in some way. You know, maybe I can, you know, help with somebody, somebody on my team can help with like some graphic design. It becomes an offer and not just like, 
a commodity, right? And that's why yes. I don't like to compete on price because when you compete on price and you just look at what the market's doing, then it's a race to the bottom, right? Because right. why would you go here when you can go here uh, when it's cheaper here? But when, you know, you also, <laughs> there's a there's a saying that I love, which is, you know, you cannot be the best and be the cheapest at the same time. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And, you know, when, when I think about evaluating my own skills and there's there's room as a beginning producer you know if you listen to this last episode you just picked up our home studio home studio starter kit and you're just kind of starting to float around the daw but yeah you can track your own vocal there is value in just improving your skills you Mm -hmm. know as you as you develop stronger skills you get to charge more and there's tons of ways to be growing as a producer um I think what we sort of encourage is that you don't have to wait. You can start to learn as you go, but as you get stronger, you can charge more. Exactly. And then there's this element of like, kind of you're getting, like you just said, like you're getting paid as you mm -hmm. learn and build your skills. So this is not to say like, come in and be like, well, I have experience of 20 years singing and I'm just getting started. I should charge 500 a track. It's like, well, you know, it's kind of like um, Amazon or eBay. It's like, you know, People are going to review you and rate you, especially if you're using online marketplaces. And the only way to do that is to really get a proof of concept and get out there and start doing it. So mm-hmm. I like to start a little bit lower and work up as my skills increase and, you know, and also as that social proof is gathered. Yeah. Um, like And like you said, as you get better, you can charge more. A hundred percent. And as so as, as they're sort of trying to develop these skills, I think we talk about this great um, emotional journey and and we call it the valley of despair in our teachings (laughs) of, you know, we're really optimistic at first and you see all the things. And then once you get into the DAW, maybe you start to have realistic understanding of like how far you have to go to get to those maybe radio quality songs, which if you're just doing a vocal, if you're just doing an acoustic thing, you might be quite a ways away from. And you'd sort of talk to me about like how to eat an elephant and that sort of approach of, improving your production skills. So what would you say to people listening to this that like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing my $50 vocals and that's cool, but it seems like a light years away for me to get to radio quality. Like how do I mitigate expectations as I, as I work towards that? Well, firstly, I would say 50 is too low. Even if you're just getting started, <laughs> I would say not to charge less than 150 as a vocalist, if you're just getting started and then looking up, you know, when I first started, I was doing 150 and mm-hmm. then now I charge 300. And, oh, you know, I, I, I'll have people say, oh, that's just, I wouldn't pay that for, you know, that's like, oh, okay, that's what I charge. Cause it goes back to what we we're saying. What do I need to get paid to make it worth my time? Totally. Right? Totally. Well, so there you that's go. Where, yeah. I would <laughs> start there, now. but, but <laughs> to rewind back to the, to the question, um, which is like, how do you charge and kind of build your chops as you go? Mm-hmm. Right. This goes to what we, what really this is all about, which is the spectrum of work out there. This Mm -hmm. goes into talking about the new music economy, which isn't the old music industry. We're in the new music industry and it's a bit of a wild west and people are still, you know, following like, you know, kind of old dinosaur teaching and parroted things that are like, oh, you need to do this to be successful. You need a record deal. You need millions of fans or streams, or you need to be on Spotify playlists, right? And there's just all this very like, if you don't, if you're not a rock star, it's either Beyonce big or broke, right? Mm-hmm. And so you need to release that first and look at the spectrum and look at the marketplace and say, okay, if I want to produce, you know, like we were saying, those Katy Perry or those Billie Eilish, like those really big, massive productions, like there's going to be definitely a, 
a learning, you know, a period of growth that I'm going to have to just kind of bear through. It's, it's not probably 10,000 hours. It's probably more right. condensed than that, but it's going to take a little time. However, in the meanwhile, could I go and get hired as a vocalist for $150 and simply learn how to work my microphone? Yes, I can do that almost immediately from like getting my home studio starter kit and setting up. I was doing it within a couple of weeks and not knowing right. anything else about my DAW, but yet I was making money, <laughs> right? Then you've got, okay, could I do a custom song for somebody that just needs me to write and play a basic guitar and put a little drum loop under it? Because in the end of the day, that client's not saying, you used a drum loop. They're going, oh my God, you put drums and guitar on this and you wrote a song right. for my fiance? Love it. Yes. Right? So the deliverables are different on the different areas of the spectrum depending on what you're doing in the industry. And don't let anybody tell you that because you're not working with a hit songwriter or for a Grammy award-winning so-and-so or for this up-and-coming artist that what you're doing isn't valid because right. there are more opportunities than there's ever been in this entire gig economy, right? A hundred, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And you know, something I struggle with as I, I kind of live that, and I, I feel like I'm probably in that uh, maybe a, a couple of stages past that, but sort of working around it in, in jobs of that nature, you know, the time management idea and also sort of always chasing another thing to be learning because it's very overwhelming. Even the structured eyes, you know, even as we go through Produce Like a Boss courses and stuff where we really structure out how to do it, you could go a lot of different directions with your productions and what you want to work on. And I know a lot of our students and, and people in our community speak to us about, you know, you know, keeping attention, keeping focus. Some people struggle with ADHD, struggling with time management because there is so much you want to be doing. And especially it's like, oh, I'm getting a little bit of work here. Do I go all in? Do I mitigate? And I was wondering if me could just speak to a little bit of time management and sort of focus as this can become pretty overwhelming of everything you want to start learning. Right. So, you know, one of the the pros and like one of the cons, right, to the gig economy, which is that, you know, there are so many different ways to diversify your income. So mm -hmm. the first thing that I like to do to get clear, because what here's what's going to happen is you might have something take off, like, like, it could be beat licensing, it could be the custom songs, it could be sound better. For me, it was sound better. It was getting mm -hmm. hired to do vocals. All of a sudden, like one DJ hired me to top line a track. And next thing you know, I got four hitting me up a week and I'm charging three <laughs> to 500 a pop. Right? right. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and I went all in on it. And then I stopped doing the networking that was building those other referrals. I stopped doing like other things. And then what happened? Like apparently Sound Better let in like a bunch of people, which they do manage the people like their supply and demand pretty well. But I could always mm -hmm. tell when they let a bunch of new people in because my work would go down. I'd get less inquiries. So then what mm -hmm. happened? I became too reliant on one thing. That thing went away and then I had nothing. So, I mean, I'd love to be able to tell you like, just go all in on that one thing. And I know that's what a lot of people do. They'll just focus on one thing. But that's not a luxury that you have as an independent artist in this gig economy. You you want to diversify. So the way to do that with um, without going crazy, I think, is right. to get really clear on understanding the difference between residual income that works for you after you've put in the work once and then trading your time for money. And so there's a difference between any kind of custom work you do where you are hired to do a job requires that you trade your time for money. And no matter how much you raise your prices, you are still always trading your time for money, right? So it, that's why I don't take a lot of session work anymore because where I'm at in my career now, it takes a lot to get an hour of my time or two hours of my right. time because I'm busy. So mm -hmm. I say I charge 300 for a vocal. That's not even true. You can't hire me to do a vocal anymore <laughs> because I would rather 
sit back and collect the royalties from my sync placements. Because <laughs> guess right. what? It's less money per placement. You know, if you look at them, some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller, but I get to make that money while I'm sleeping, right? So uh-huh. what I'd be looking at is like, how can I create some residual income that I'll put in a lot of heavy lifting up front, then I get to set it on autopilot as long as I get it into the right hands, right? So you don't want to just yeah. create music and then do nothing with it. It's like if you're getting into film and TV, for example, like get your music into a couple libraries. Now you have a salesperson working your cash catalog and you don't have to think about that anymore. You put in the work to make the great music and now you go do other things. So now this is working in the background for you, whether it's whether it's sync, whether it's beat licensing, whether you're selling sample packs. I mean, just think of it. Like think of your music as digital assets. What can you put on autopilot so that while you're out there doing your freelance work, you're mm-hmm. improving your chops, you're raising your rates and you're being more selective and hopefully getting higher playing clients and working with less of them. And if you keep that as your ultimate goal, then you're able to properly prioritize as all the opportunities come in. You might feel like it's, oh my God, I got all these opportunities to do all these custom songs. But it's like, okay, if you're only making $100 per song, because let's say they're coming in from like, you know, a a lower paying like Songfinch or something like that, which is Mm -hmm. fine. I think it's a great opportunity. But at a certain point, like, are there opportunities that you're turning down? Because every time you Mm. say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. Right. If it's causing you to lose opportunities elsewhere, you have to pull back and and say, okay, how much of my focus can I give here? But let me clarify, if you don't have anything else going on, then it's a freaking joy. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, course. go all in on what's coming at you, but always be like keeping in mind, like what's next. And if this went away tomorrow, have I gone mm. so far in on this that I am screwed otherwise? And totally. never, ever, ever give anybody that much power. You have to give yourself the power. Yeah. I think that's really important. A diversified, it's not even necessarily that you have to diversify your income streams, which I know particularly what we're talking about, but diversifying the the way you're going to approach your career as a producer, you know, and, and if you run down one rabbit hole, yeah, you know, it can be a little overwhelming to bring on anything else. So I love how you talk about passive and, and active income, because as you can have things that support you, it just gives you more flexibility. Because I think as producers start out, and I'm certainly an example of this, you operate from a scarcity mindset. You operate exactly. as if the work that's coming in is never going to come in again. So I'll take every bit of work that yes. does come in until I drop. <laughs> when you're uh, first getting started, your only goal is to find paying clients. And I think that's okay as an mm-hmm. introductory goal because like yeah i mean think of how many music most most musicians spend money mm-hmm. to make their music yes. way more than people that make money so yes the quickest win to get is to find a paying client but then we get to go what's next right and mm-hmm. and then we get to look at and go like who is our dream client like who do we want to work with and then this is why i love begin with the end in mind set intention like in a perfect world what would that look like and it's amazing how the more clear you get on that the more you're not only radiating that from an energetic and woo woo standpoint right which is you know yeah. very that's just the law of attraction it's a very real thing but it's also how you start using your languaging. It's how you start talking to people and about what you do and, you know, your copying and and how you show up on social media. It's like all of a sudden you're putting out this, like, this is who I am. This is who I serve. And then guess what? Those people can now find you because you're speaking to them. But if you're not clear on who a dream client is for you, then you will Mm -hmm. get stuck in $100 and $50 jobs because you're just going yes to wherever the money is. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think to maybe conclude this section all around this idea of what is my value, right? And that's something that so many of us struggle with. And I think 
it, rightly so, it's a difficult thing as an entrepreneur to to properly evaluate yourself. I think some great takeaways from what I you know from our conversation certainly having a diversified opportunities because if you get trapped in one opportunity you maybe lose sight you, you get a little tunnel vision you don't really understand a broader spe- spectrum of the market um, and also we talk a lot about just keep working on it keep improving your skills and I wanted to maybe conclude with some opportunities that people might have within the P-Lab community if they say okay Chris well you know I got my home studio starter kit I'm tracking vocals I, I'm floating around the dot I'm ready to like I gotta get some demos I've got these voice memos on my phone I need to make some demos and we have a really cool um, course that saved my whole production career called mm-hmm. From Voice Memo to Demo. And I thought maybe we'll just give them a little taste of what that sort of thing offers because I think that would be a great next step for people at this point in our journey because they're just getting started. They're maybe getting a little bit of income, but they're ready to kind of take things to the next level. Yeah, for sure. So From Voice Memo to Demo is the first course that I created for Produce Like a Boss. And it's it's funny. It was it, it was born out of me being in Nashville and and doing demos and and then of course those demos turning into I did a demo for someone and now they're releasing it <laughs> as an artist or getting it into film and TV and I'm like wait a second maybe these aren't demos but I did get mm-hmm. kind of known as the demo girl in Nashville because I learned how to produce at a necessity to save money on my own demos. Then mm-hmm. people started coming to me and going, "Can you do my demos?" Then people started going, "Can you teach me how to make demos?" And eventually I said, "Well, I'm just going to put some videos together, right?" And then someone Mm. said, you should make a course, then was born from voice memo to demo. And the way that I put it together is I thought, okay, this demo journey for me took longer than I like to admit, because there really wasn't like a step-by-step on how to do it. Like I said before in the last episode, it's like you go to the YouTube rabbit hole and there's just so much. And we think it's an abundance when we're like, oh my God, I can learn anything I want at any time. But like information is not valuable. Otherwise, (laughs) librarians would be millionaires. Shit, everybody with Google would be millionaires, right? (laughs) So information isn't valuable. So like, let's just stop the whole, well, I can learn that on YouTube because if you could, then you'd be a millionaire. So let's throw that out the window. So I thought to myself, what exactly did I need to get all the tools to get my music out of my head and create these these demos, which, you know, really they're, it's how to produce a song. From voice memo to demo yes. had a very nice ring to it, so we stuck with it. But <laughs> whether you choose to use that as a demo, a demo these days really is just what you do with it. But it's mm-hmm. funny how you take a demo and it's like you pitch it as an art to an artist and it's a demo or you right. release it or you get it placed in sync and it's a production. So it's really of how course. to produce a song from start to finish. And it's like everything that used to stop me, like, well, what do I do here? Or how do I know when to throw in a new element? Or like, how do I layer? How do I mix? Like, you know, how do I keep mm. this modern and fresh? Every little thing, even down to what plugin do I use? And like, if I'm <laughs> using it, well, now what do I do? And why do I even do that? Every question I ever had, I just answered it by putting it into a course. And then what's funny is like, you know, I, I wasn't really sure. Like, I thought I would just maybe put it out there to my community and maybe a few friends or people would, would get it. And then I saw the results that students were getting. And all of a sudden we're getting these testimonials or these people like commenting in the Facebook group or emailing. I, it brings me to tears like every day still reading the emails of like people yeah. sharing their ahas with like, I never got this before and now I do. And that's when I knew, oh my gosh, there's something here. Like I thought I was making this as a side project, but like I think mm-hmm. I really love teaching this. So that's the first course. We've got it. It's available. It's uh, <clears throat> it's amazing how many people it's taken from like um, 
I don't know how to even do this at all. I've never opened yep. a DAW and helped them learn how to fully produce, mix, and master a song. And then for people that have been at this a while, but like got stuck and hit a wall, like I have a producer friend who's been producing for 15 years. And I gave him right. a course, you know, when I was first getting started, I'm like, ah, what do you think? He's like, Chris, I've learned so much <laughs> and I've been producing for 15 years. So it's kind of that beginner to intermediate you know, you don't have mm -hmm. to not ever have played a note, but if you never have, and even if you don't play an instrument, it works for you. So totally, it's our first yeah, child and that you can tell the way I talk about it. Yes. It's like my, it's the firstborn. It's so much reverence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm firsthand. I've, I've taken it back to back three times. I've gone through it as if it was a textbook and it really has changed the game for me because I was, you know, where a lot of people are right now, if they're just sort of just dabbling, they can track a vocal, you know, I was doing a little bit of vocal stuff and that was, I was like, oh, I can click space bar and that's where I'm tapping out guys. Like if you need anything <laughs> more from me. So I think it's a really great next step for anyone who's in that space. And, you know, ultimately as you scale, then, then that's how your value increases. Like we talk about. So for anyone interested to learning a little bit more, getting ready to perhaps start that production journey and to, to the next level, uh, I can't speak highly enough of from voice mode demo. So we'll drop a link in the description too and you can float around and check that out um, but more importantly I think the mindset from today really is what I hope people take away because it's so challenging to properly evaluate yourself and knowing your worth is a, something I still navigate every day so I hope that this provided some insight because it really did for me too because I think it's very really easy to undersell yourself and people out there are talented man and if you've got the chops you just gotta you gotta bring it to the marketplace and if we can help in any way with that we're happy to do so so I think that's a, a great place to leave it for today yeah. And we'll pick this series up in the next episode. All right. See ya. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Listen, if you're wanting to learn how to turn your home studio into a cash producing machine and start actually generating income as a musician, we'd love to help. You don't have to wait on royalties or Spotify streams or getting discovered. Matter of fact, chasing those things is like stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. At Produce Like a Boss, we can show you how to ditch the nine to five and ditch the side hustle. Who needs a side hustle? It's time to make music your front hustle. So I'm going to drop a link here in the description of this podcast. Go ahead and click that link to book your strategy call today. And we look forward to chatting with you. As always, I'm going to take us out with one of my songs. This is a song that I did in partnership with Happy Yeah and Sony BMG. The song is called Ripple in Time. And we recently got a sync placement on the show Gordy OGs, which is playing in the UK. Hope you dig. Soft whispers Wasted words on an endless journey It's absurd I'm unsure, but I'm learning And my mind's in overdrive And I'm just trying to stay